0: Helping Families Be Happy. Welcome to the Helping Families Be Happy podcast, where we explore the often messy world of family love and relationships. I am your host, Dr. Carla Marie Manley, a practicing clinical psychologist, wellness advocate, and author based in Sonoma County, California. I've teamed up with Familius Publishing to bring you nourishing real-life information about love, family, relationships, and life. And now I am thrilled to introduce today's fabulous guest, Richard Hill, who will be talking with us about his book, Finding Family, My Search for Roots and the Secrets in My DNA. Thank you, Richard, for being with us today.
1: Well, thank you, Dr. Manley, for having me.
0: Well, thank you for joining us. And I am so excited for you to share with our listeners the journey that you took in your life and that brought you to write your book, Finding Family My Search for Roots and the Secrets in My DNA, which is a fabulous read. So tell me a little bit about all of this.
1: Well, I was adopted. But uh, back at the time when I was adopted, my uh, adopted parents chose to do something that uh, a lot of people did in that situation back then. They uh, didn't talk about it. And after a while, they apparently didn't talk about it with me either. So I didn't know I was adopted. And then uh, when I was 18 years old, a visit to the doctor's office uh, happened to accidentally reveal the fact that that I was indeed adopted. And it was uh, quite a shock at the time.
0: I can only imagine, and then you finding out in the doctor's office, if I recall, he thought you knew, so it wasn't as though, And but you were absolutely stunned.
1: Yes, I was. But I took, did the response, I guess, that uh, just because of the circumstances at the time, I was within a week or two of going off to college, and I was very focused on my future. Uh, The distant past just didn't seem that important to me, and and I, hey, I love my parents, Uh, they love me. I didn't have any other siblings, so I never had any sibling rivalries to say, well, maybe that sibling, maybe they love that sibling more than me or anything like that. So I chose to keep my mouth shut about it, and uh, I went on with my life, and uh, nothing more was said until my, my father brought it up 14 years later.
0: And how did he broach the subject?
1: Well, he had had a stroke, and a very serious stroke. And he was bedridden. He was in a hospital, a long-term care hospital. His uh, you know, mind was a little bit uh, out of it at times. But some days he was very lucid. And I used to go up and visit him several times a week during my lunch hour. And one day he just starts talking to me about it. And he said... Uh, yeah, I suppose you know by now that you're adopted. And I said, yeah, I figured that out some time ago. And he, it turns out, he starts telling me the story. I had assumed that uh, this was anonymous through an agency and that uh, he didn't know anything about my, my birth. It turns out that uh, my birth mother was a friend of a friend. And uh, back then, pregnant girls who weren't uh, with a husband at the time would leave town and she came to the town where my adoptive parents were and she actually lived with them for the last five months of her pregnancy. They took her to the hospital Uh, I was born, she went home, my adoptive parents brought me home. So they knew about her and the thing that my father stressed that, that was really a surprise is he said that my birth mother had been married before and had a son and she was divorced when she got pregnant for me, decided to give me up. But he said, you've got a brother out there, and I think you should find your brother. Uh, and that's what ultimately drove my
0: search. That's uh, Now, I have a question for you, backing up a little bit. So this is when you're around 32. But at age 18, the doctor gives you this shocking information, and you're ready to go to college what was your emotional world like then? You know, b- back at 18, were you, did you just buck up?
1: I guess that's a good way for it, as I said, because my focus was so much on my future. I was very excited. It was the first time I was going to leave home. I was going to go to a, a big university at, uh, several miles from home and and uh, live in a dorm and, and take on that college life, and, and I was just very excited, looking forward to that, so uh, students and I knew my parents were going to miss me, uh, being the only child. Finally, moving away from home, it was—I could already tell they were kind of down about it. So I thought, well, this is not the time to bring this up, and, and you know, maybe they'll say something about it. Maybe they'll wait until I'm 21 or something. Maybe they'll say something then. So uh, I just chose not to, uh, not to burden them with it.
0: Ah, not to—was it not burdening, not rocking the boat, or? or was it more acceptance? What do you think happened for you? Well,
1: it certainly was acceptance. I did accept that. Um, I really didn't have a problem with it. I think a lot of people who are adopted do have problems, Uh, Mm -hmm. it's quite well known, but uh, I kind of wonder how much of it is based on the knowledge of adoption. I mean, you grow up with all of these unanswered questions You know, you're constantly wondering, well, who were these people that gave me up? And why did they give me up? And what would my life have been if I had stayed with them? And because I was completely ignorant of the fact of my adoption, I never had those questions. So uh, I'm not saying it would be a good idea to tell, not to tell your children they were adopted, but in my case, I think it worked. Um, I actually came out, it came out all right.
0: Okay. And well, you got my, you jumped ahead of my question. So you answered it. If you would, sounds as if, you know, you, if you adopted a child, you would probably tell them from the get go or as soon as they, as soon, was age, as soon as it was age appropriate.
1: Oh yeah. I think that's the prevailing uh, uh, way of doing things now. The 1940s when I grew up were of a far different time. And I think uh, I think my adoptive mother was embarrassed about you know not being able to uh, conceive a child, and I think that was that was part of it. And also, when I did have one conversation with my mother many years later about this, she said that they started out telling me that I was adopted when I was very small, and then one of the neighbor ladies would not let me play with their children. There was discrimination against adoptees because they were children of unwed mothers. Well, anyway, one of the things that I discovered was that uh, my birth mother uh, had been killed in a Jeep accident mm. 13 months after I was born, and along with her younger sister. And I did ultimately find her older sister who had survived. So I got some connections to that side of my family as. well as meeting my brother. And then uh, I spent the next 20, 25 years trying to identify my birth father. Mm. And I did all kinds of conventional genealogy research. Uh, uh, I went to the small town where she had lived, um, tracked down where she worked, tracked down people that she knew, people she worked with, uh, found a number of men that she had dated, uh, was able to contact some of them. Um, everything was a dead end though. No one had uh, been with her at about the right time of my conception. Uh, finally, uh, I was able to get into the actual adoption file. Uh, in Michigan the adoption records are sealed, but they have a c- confidential intermediary program that they actually started Uh, back when I was doing this. And the confidential intermediary looked in my file, found the name of the man that my birth mother had named as my father, tracked him down. He said he'd be very happy to talk to me. So we actually talked on the phone, got to meet, uh, hit it off real well, but for various reasons, he said he didn't think he could be the father. So we thought, well, let's, let's check it out. So we got a DNA paternity test Uh, which proved that he was not my father. So it was back to square one. After stopping and starting over many years, I heard about um, genetic genealogy. And this was specifically about a test called the Y-DNA test. And it checks a man's Y chromosome, which passes down pretty much unchanged from father to son, generation after generation. And genealogists were using that to track their direct paternal lines. So I got to thinking, well, a last name typically follows that same paternal line down. So I thought, if I get a DNA match, I wonder if the last name of that match would be the last name of my birth father. To make a long story short, uh, I did the test and uh, sure enough, the, uh, my best match had a last name, Ah, that matched one of the men my mother had worked with so that gave me a really good clue I ended up finding a niece of his Um, he was was long deceased by then I ended up finding a niece she uh, tells me the story is actually more complicated because he was one of five brothers all five lived in the same area so my birth mother could have met any of them So instead of one suspect, now I had five, That's a lot better than I had before. So she gave me contact names of some of the children of these uh, men, she being one of them. And I contacted everybody and asked them if they would do a DNA test to, um, see which ones, uh, which one of the men had been my father because, uh, a child of my father would be a half sibling to me.
0: So, pause. Try- Let me pause you for a okay? second. Sure. How were you feeling during all of this? Did you feel were you worried that people might not be receptive? That that you might have some pushback? How are you feeling during all of this?
1: Well, I certainly realized that there could be pushback. In fact, in the very beginning, I I thought maybe I'm opening a can of worms here. I really wasn't sure I wanted to to look into this, but uh, once I found my brother, learned about my birth mother and her life, I just got so fixated on Mm. finding out who my birth father was. I just wasn't going to stop. I figured, whatever it is, it is. You know.
0: Got it. So you were on a course, and you were going to find the answer. That's right. Okay.
1: Yeah, so anyway, I did uh, get uh, a child of each of the brothers to test, and this was on an old style test that was available at the time. And this was back in 2007. And the best thing they had then was this thing called a sibling test, and it just checked a few markers and calculated the probability of a relationship. Well, that pointed to a particular brother. In fact, it was the brother that uh, I knew my mother worked with. So the facts seemed to meet the test. So I thought, okay, I've solved the problem. And I, and the family was very warm. They opened me and they greeted me very warmly, uh, considered me part of the family. So I thought, uh, well, this is great. And I went along for almost five years. And then another uh, DNA test, type of DNA test became available that was far better, that checks millions of, uh, uh, well, about a half a million actually, markers and uh, can really measure how much DNA people share. So I decided to test a couple of my new relatives on that, uh, and it turned out that the original guess was wrong, that it was a different brother. That was and now we knew for sure.
0: And he hadn't come forward, so this was a surprise.
1: No. Well, hey, all five men had been deceased long before I identified the family. So there was no ch- ch- chance of that happening.
0: Okay. So now, you know, so now you know which brother it is. You now know who your father is. How did that make you feel?
1: Oh, that made me feel tremendous. I mean, uh, after all of that searching... And years and years of disappointment and dead ends and everything—it was uh, felt a great sense of relief to to, to finally uh, mm-hmm. achieve a goal I've been working on for so
0: long. And I like that the word relief. It sounds like puzzle pieces just started falling into place.
1: Yes, and it happens that I I, I got into a really nice family, the family that uh, I enjoy. Uh, I've met many of my. You know, I have some siblings. I have siblings. I have some cousins, many cousins. Uh, I've been going to the family reunions every year. Uh, <laughs> one this year was actually postponed because, or canceled because of the virus.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But, uh, until this year, I've been going to reunions every year.
0: So you, you found your family. Now, a phenomenal part of your book is that it it also invites people who are on their own journey of searching for their roots. You actually give some really terrific tips that will save other people a lot of time and energy. So what are a few key points that you'd like readers to take away, not only just from the book, but also from the process of how, and this again is part and parcel of the book, but how they might be able to be more effective in finding their roots?
1: Well, the thing now is to, uh, is to do the most recent tests that uh, that compare your DNA with that of everybody else that takes the same test. And the databases have grown so large uh, in the last few years. Uh, there's about 30 million people now that have taken these tests the uh, the largest database by far is Ancestry DNA. There's about 18 million people that have taken that test. So anybody that's an adoptee or anyone looking for lost family or trying to do their genealogy, um, they should uh, certainly take that test. Uh, another big one, the second largest database is 23andMe, uh, and then uh, there are three others that uh, you can take the test or they also accept transfers of raw data from the first two. So that can save you a lot of money. Not that the tests are that expensive anyway. The tests are less than a hundred dollars now and sometimes on sale for for even less. So uh, it's a very inexpensive process. Uh, Surveys now have shown that adoptees who get tested now remember the exact numbers, but a significantly high percentage of them are finding uh, either birth parents or siblings uh, through these tests. It's gotten a whole lot easier than it was when when I did it because mine was uh, 13 years ago that I got into this.
0: Well, that is absolutely a wealth of information. And there is a lot more in your book, including giving highlights such as adoptees being entitled to um, receive their original birth certificates, um, things that I didn't know, actually. So it is a treasure of a book and I thank you so much for sharing it with us it is it is quite a fascinating and heartwarming read so Richard I thank you for being with us today it has been such a pleasure where can our guests where can our listeners find you
1: well in 2008 I started a website because I wanted to share this information with other adoptees and with genealogists who didn't really know about genetic genealogy my website is called DNA testing advisor.com.
0: DNA testing advisor.com. Excellent.
1: Yes. And they can reach me through that website as well.
0: Okay. They can reach you there. And of course, your book is such a fabulous read Finding Family My Search for Roots and the Secrets in My DNA. And I thank you again, Richard, for joining us today. Well, thank you. Oh, it has been a pleasure um, and a true joy. And so as we conclude today's podcast, I'd like to thank Familius Publishing for their support in bringing this podcast to your ears and your heart. We would be thrilled if you'd subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review on iTunes and social media. And when you're ready for that next amazing book adventure, we'd be honored if you'd choose a book from Familius Publishing, such as the lovely book we discussed today, Finding Family, My Search for Roots, and the secrets of my DNA. One step at a time, we can make the world a happier place. Thank you for sharing your time with me, Dr. Carla Marie Manley. It has been a joy and a true pleasure. Be well and shine as only you can do. We talk together, learn together, play, work, eat together. We laugh together. i